Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. Good morning. All right, kiddos, first to third, head on down, do your thing. For those that are new, my name is Ernie Wagoner. I am the lead pastor here at Sojourn. If I haven't had the privilege to meet you or if you haven't received our gift to you, let's make that happen. Um, we have a little card inside the gift. We'd love to get your info so we can learn more about who you are. I have three updates out of the gate. The first is this guy. Um, the moment you guys have been waiting for uh, over the last 168 hours, I know that you've been thinking a lot about this. Um, so in your seats, you should have received a year-end review. This is a review of things that have happened in our community over the last year. Uh, this is our gift to you. Grab one, take it home, read it over. It's just good to celebrate things that have been going on over this last year, and we want to do that. And so uh, Alex, who's our, my wife and our, our communication director, as well as Austin Roebuck, who's on our board, uh, worked together to put this on. And uh, yeah, awesome job. So grab that. That's for you. Second thing, uh, just to continue to remind you that we are navigating through this journey of looking for a Sojourn Kids director. And so again, kind of twofold, encourage you to continue to be praying for this position as we move forward into 2022. And simultaneously, if there's someone that you know that would be interested in a full-time role that would kind of fit the things that we're looking for, send over that application. Um, that would be great. And then the last, this is kind of nerdy, but we got to do this. Um, so uh, in the church world, there's kind of a, a, a threshold, if you will, of when do you go to two gatherings? Um, and so there's typically some metrics, some data that you look at to kind of figure out when that is. Uh, and that's kind of an 80% number that you're aiming for. And so I got two slides for you here. Uh, we talked about this in our family gathering, and so I wanted to just give you uh, an update. So uh, over the last uh, four, two of the last four Sundays, uh, and here, not including today, we've hit 73% of capacity. So that's closer to that number. Uh, what's that number again? 80%. Good. So Sojourn Kids, four out of the last five Sundays, has hit 80%. And so several weeks ago in our family gathering, we talked about uh, we're going to need to just be monitoring our metrics and kind of what it looks like for uh, our kind of threshold as uh, a community and our facility. And so as you can see, we're getting a little bit closer uh, to that. And so we're excited about that. We don't know exactly when that's going to tip to two gatherings. We just want to inform you that we're a bit closer than we were uh, when we talked about this last and, and yet, there is a caveat, and in that caveat, his name is COVID. And so, uh, numbers are rising uh, with Omicron, and we have a plan uh, that we've talked about at our family gathering several weeks ago, and just want to let you know that uh, there are certain kind of thresholds that we're looking at for what's uh, called an r naught, which is kind of the transferability of the virus and daily cases. And so we have within our COVID advisory team, we're looking at certain numbers. And if they hit a certain threshold over several days, then we will be kicked into two gatherings. And so we kind of have two things happening, a broader reality that's just by nature of our growing community. And then we have this kind of tyranny of the urgent thing that potentially could happen that might kick us into two gatherings before we were planning to. Are, am I making sense right now? Okay, cool. So uh, the plan in this caveat, if this does happen, there's a second table uh, just for you guys to see. Um, and I'm a pastor, but I also do tables sometimes. And so these are just some of those tables that I do. Uh, and so uh, two gatherings, you know, 
uh, for volunteers and kids, the, we would have mirrored classes at 9, at 11. So kids would be the same at 9. Kids would be the same at 11 for all things that we see so far. Same with volunteers. Um, but in this caveat with COVID, um, that if COVID increases, that's the plus sign that I put when I was creating this table. So COVID increases. Uh, at 9 a.m., we would have Sojourn Kids. We won't at 11. And so that is what it would look like when we go to two gatherings. Our 11 a.m. will be specifically more socially distanced than our 9 a.m. And so those are going to be how we move forward with COVID. Elder folks, am I, am I communicating well? Board people that, am I, is this good? Everybody, is this thumbs up if you guys... Okay, cool. I just want to inform you of what's happening. Enough thumbs up uh, to move on. James Terrell is on our COVID advisory team. If you want to reach out to him with any questions about COVID-related stuff, uh, if you happen to have a cold and you're just like, do I have COVID? Just email him and he'll tell you. Um, I'm definitely just kidding. He will quit the team. If any of you do that, please don't. do. That was just a joke. Please, seriously. Okay. Very good, very good, very good. Okay, we're in uh, Advent. We're in the final Sunday of Advent. As we move into uh, the week of Christmas, uh, we're not going to have a gathering, which you'll find out in just a little bit on the 26th. That's the time of reflection, but that's for announcements in a little bit. Um, But we will have a Christmas Eve uh, candlelight time coming up on the 24th. And so Advent means coming or arrival. And so in church tradition, uh, this is a reminder for us. It's super important. Advent means coming or arrival. And so we're looking back and we're recalling the faithfulness of God. We're recalling his goodness and he made promises and in Christ he fulfilled them. And so we're looking back at the coming of Christ. Uh, We're looking at the present reality that he is here with us. It's not just that he did come, but he is with us by his spirit. And then we're looking forward to the future day where he will come and finish everything that he promised, that he will fulfill all of the things that he's promised. He will swallow death. He will come and make all things new, restoring all things to uh, himself. So Advent, a lot of it is about waiting. And if we're honest, we are horrible at waiting. Maybe I'm alone. I don't think I am. Life is all about waiting. Waiting is really, really hard. Waiting is frustrating. Waiting waiting can be difficult at times. Um, You know, we've been conditioned to hate waiting. In our society, we've, our society's done a really good job of kind of removing any kind of ability in our own kind of the, the strength within our souls to learn how to wait. You know, you look at our phones, we don't need to wait for information anymore. You want to know about what happened yesterday in the news or today or in the last hour, you can just Google those things. We don't need to wait for packages anymore. They will take, the longest they will take is two days. Right, And if you're lucky, there might be a drone that flies over your house and drops something within the two-hour window of, of you purchasing it. And so we don't need to wait anymore when it comes to our phone, when it comes to Amazon, when it comes to food that we have at our disposal. We don't need to wait anymore. We just have, uh, we've been trained to not need to wait anymore, and that's actually affecting us in ways that maybe we don't realize. We're conditioned to hate waiting. You know, waiting for us implies that something is wrong. That something's off, that either something's off with us, that something's off with God, that there's something off if we have to wait, which isn't actually true. Uh, I heard a pastor say once that we live in a weightless society. Clever, huh? So we live in a weightless society. It's, it, the point remains, it's that we, we live in a society that does not know how to wait. 
And there's unintended side effects uh, to our inability to wait. You know, when astronauts, I'm not an astronaut. I do do tables on the side, but I'm not an astronaut. And so uh, when astronauts go into space, there's atrophy that sets in because there's no gravity. And because there's no gravity, it's easy to pick up heavy objects, light objects. They're all the same because of gravity. Uh, And so they come back and their muscles have atrophied because they haven't had gravity that has forced them to have resistance and cause their muscles to maintain uh, and it's as if we live, because of this weightless society that we live in, we, we have this kind of zero-gravity Christianity that can occur, that can kind of set in in our lives, where we are conditioned to not have resistance to our faith. We're conditioned to kind of have easy faith, and when things kind of arise, we like kick and scream because we don't know what to do when life throws us a curveball. But in these moments, when things don't go our way, We can realize, like an astronaut, that we are not as strong as we may have thought. Our view of waiting doesn't lead us to endure like uh, like Jesus wants it to. And so I want to spend some time talking about waiting this morning. I want to talk about how waiting is good for us. So I want you guys to do something with me. Say, waiting is good for me. me. You heard it from yourself first. So Luke 2, we're going to be starting in verse 22. We'll be looking at a guy named Simeon. Luke 2:22 and following. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. We'll stop here for a second. It's ironic um, that Jesus, who is the Lord, is submitting himself to the requirements of the Lord. And in submission, they brought two turtle doves and a pigeon. So in, a, uh, in the classically annoying Christmas song, 12 Days of Christmas, you might wonder what the second day is for. First day is the partridge in a pear tree. Second day is two turtle doves. Look, why two turtle doves? It's because of this. And so there's two turtle doves tying in the writer, strategically put this in as the second day of Christmas. Pretty cool, huh? And so the minimum of the law for the poorest of the poor in this day was that you had to sacrifice two turtle doves and a pigeon. And so that's what was ha- what were happening. And we, we just find about Mary and Joseph that these guys were just regular. They didn't have much. They were simple people that Jesus, uh, that God chose to put his son into uh, her womb, these regular people. And then we pick up in verse 25. It says this. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed him, blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of, rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also 
so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So we meet a guy named Simeon. He's from Jerusalem, he's righteous, he's devout. We see that he was waiting this word that Luke ends up using twice in this section um, for the consolation of Israel. Uh, He was a man of faith and he was a man who trusted God. Uh, And so in this, he knew that God would bring forth the consolation of Israel and that he would see it before he died. And so we're not Simeon. We're not going to know the day or hour when Jesus comes again. But what we do know is that the Spirit spoke to Simeon, that this would be fulfilled. And he had such faith to see it happen in his day and his time. We know that he was older in age, but he was dedicated to God through this time. He waited well. So he meets this child, and it's Christ the Lord, and he holds him, he lifts him up. You can imagine the parents like, what is this guy doing? But they also knew everything that had already just happened. An angel had come to her, uh, to Elizabeth, uh, who is a cousin of Mary. They had experienced what the shepherds had done and seeing the angels. Mary had that encounter with the angel himself, and so they were well aware with, with what was about to happen and what was going on. And in this moment, it's like we see the first parent-child dedication. And so in that, if you have a child who needs to be dedicated, perfect segue, reach out to Kendra and Katie, and we'd love to get you on the schedule. Uh, but years of waiting take place for Simeon. We miss the waiting. We, you know, we just read a handful of verses, and we miss the pain and the hardship and the difficulty that Simeon experienced as he waited. You know, waiting in the Bible is always longer than the pages we are reading, In a few pages, we can hear of people waiting but don't connect the dots uh, with the duration, the pain, the confusion, the doubting that takes place in the waiting. I mean, for example, in Genesis, we see within just a handful of chapters, a 25-year window where Abraham waited. We see a little later in the book of Genesis, we see this guy Joseph, who between the time he's put in prison to the time that he's put in the king's courts, 13 years of waiting, just a few pages that we turn as we're reading these stories. You know, we see King David, that he is anointed to be king, and then for 15 years at minimum, he is waiting, just several pages that we turn. But for him, that's year after year of waiting. Is God faithful? Did he really promise this? Is he really going to come through? Is this really going to happen? The refinement that happens in the waiting, we just breathe through it as we read through the pages. But man, it's in the waiting that, that character is forged within us. See, waiting can provide a pathway to maturity and development that few other things can. Waiting can do things in our soul that few other things can. And then Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. It's this hope of salvation that he knew that God had promised. And he says, my eyes have seen your salvation as he holds this Christ child. See, salvation and fulfillment and the purposes of God had come. The rescuing uh, act of God had begun to take place. And Simeon says, my eyes have seen it. 
This word salvation is used uh, throughout the New Testament. Uh, we see it a couple times. I'll read to, to you in Acts 28, uh, 28. It says, uh, Luke writes in his second account, uh, he says, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. At the very end of Acts 28, the very end of the, the, the book of Acts, he says that this message of salvation, the rescuing act of God, will pr- be proclaimed in all the world. And then Titus 2.11, I'll read the following few verses as well. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation, this rescuing act of God, to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We see this picture of salvation coming and this rescuing act of God. And, and Simeon says, I have tasted of the fulfillment of this long wait. See, the picture of steadfast patience and persistent faith is admirable. He was looking forward. He was trusting. And he was waiting. So what we learn about Simeon, I think, is important for us to consider as we also wait in our lives. See, his relationship with God anchored him. His relationship with God affected his waiting. See, his relationship with God. So we see God affected his waiting. He knew that God was a covenant-keeping, faithful being, that he was able to be trusted by nature of his acts from the past. He was a covenant-keeping God. He trusted that God uh, was going to fulfill what he promised, which is why next Sunday, again, this is not just a week off for us. Reflection Sunday is super important for us as we end the year actually looking back by ourselves, whether you're single, married, with kids, without, young, old. This is a time for us to look back on the last 12 months. Where has God been faithful? Like, what has he been doing in our lives? And we so quickly can just breeze through life, pray for things, They come, we forget about them, we move on. And we spend our whole life just moving and moving and busy and busy and actually having some space that's sacred set apart for us to remember those Ebenezers. And where was God in the hardship? Where was God in the pain? Where was God in the sorrow? Where was God in the celebration? Where was God in actually taking some time and and writing down things, whether it's by yourself or with your family, with your kids, and just reflecting on the fact that God has been faithful. And it reminds us that he's faithful in times where we trip up and we can look back and say, man, but God was faithful. We can lean into that. And that's what Simeon was doing. He was leaning into his relationship with God. See, the Holy Spirit, as we read in this text, was an active part of his waiting Simeon, and more so for us, the Holy Spirit is with us in our waiting. You have not been left alone in your waiting, whether it's in the highest of high or the lowest of lows. Even though I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that he is with me. He's with us through the good times and the hard times. So what do we see in the text? We see that the Holy Spirit was close enough for Simeon to be sensed. It was close enough for the Holy, the Holy Spirit was close enough for Simeon to sense the Spirit. It says that the Spirit was on him. And what we know in the New Testament and the, and the uh, death and resurrection and the ascension of Jesus is that he sent the Spirit to us. And in Ephesians 1.13, we read that we are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit 
is on all who have trusted in Jesus. We're adopted and we have the guarantee of the Spirit in our lives. That he is in us and he is upon us. So in Acts 2, we read the story of the Spirit being poured out. It's a wild story. It's not a prescription that you must have the same experience because you won't, but it's a description of the first church experiencing this. And in Acts 2, starting in verse 1, we read the story about the Spirit. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages or other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Spirit rested upon the early church. It came and breathed upon the early church like he does in and on us. It's the moment when God rested upon the church. But a little later, that's a descriptive act, but then Peter makes a promise of what will happen in the future. In Acts 2.17, he says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. It says the Spirit will be on all flesh. Promised, uh, Jesus promised that he would move through the Spirit in us and on us. And so when we look at John 14, Jesus' very words about this, he says to us, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, one just like me, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it never, uh, and neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, all people who have trusted in Jesus, whether you're in a season of doubting, whether you're in a season of confusion, whether it's been hard or good for you, we have access to God, and he's close. He's with us. The second thing, oh, I wanted to say this first. So we have feelers in here, and we have thinkers in here. So when you hear me say, sensing the Spirit, I want to speak to both of you. So for feelers, there are seasons when you don't sense him. There will be seasons when he feels like a million miles away from you. And, and faith is not a feeling. Faith can and does exist even when he seems absent. Trusting his goodness and what seems to be his absence is critical in our journey of faith. For some of you, in going through hardship and difficulty, you might feel like he's far away. That is a part of the Christian tradition. And in that, we can lean in by faith and trust that he's with us even when we don't feel it. For my thinkers out there, it's easy to compartmentalize the spirit, but he is active and he's at work. Oftentimes, he will confound your logic. So for you as well, faith is baseline to carry you even when your thinking causes you to come to the edge of a cliff. He may ask you to do things that you don't sense, but lean into him. So we want to recognize that he's with us like he was with Simeon. Regardless, his presence is actively with us. By faith, we can sense him. Second, this Holy Spirit is close enough to hear. We, we, he won't speak often but he will always say enough. We can hear the Spirit, and we want to cultivate his voice. What we know is that uh, we can hear our voice. We can hear uh, the voice of the world. We can hear uh, the voice of the devil. 
And those latter, those first three are oftentimes, if not always, wrong. But we also can hear the Spirit through the Scripture. And in that, we want to lean into what He's saying to us. We have access to the Spirit. We have access to the Scripture. We have access to community. We have access to prayer. And we want to lean into that together. In our waiting, we need to remember His Word. And it's hard to wait and in our waiting, we need to lean in to remember what he has said to us. I have two examples for us, two moments that stick out to me. One was a, an impression that took place in the fall of 2018. I've mentioned this story before, and I'll mention it again because it was so life-altering for me. I was sitting in my parents' living room. Um, we were with all of our leaders, um, and we had kind of come to the point in 2018 where we were going to uh, be leaving the Lutheran church. We we felt like we needed a transition from what we were doing there, um, which is the church we were meeting at at that time. Um, we'd, for the longest time, we were kind of flatlined as a community, uh, and we fa- finally began to see some growth and, and saw some really just cool things that God was doing. Um, and we got together, and we prayed, and we talked, like, God, what, what are you saying for us as a community? And I, I just felt in my gut, no audible, just felt in my gut, you can either write your story or I can write your story. And I just knew in that moment that I was at this crossroads. I wanted to, I wanted to, I was like, Lone Ranger wanted to stay in the morning because it felt traditional, kind of felt what, what people do in the South and church. And so I felt uncomfortable with kind of taking a jump because we were all feeling like we should move to the afternoon. Uh, and to have more space, we were kind of crammed. If you guys were part of the Lutheran church at that time, like we were like 9 a.m., we show up. We had to be done by 10, cleaned out of the sanctuary by 10, 15. It was like this real tightrope that we had to walk week in and week out. And so we just, I just felt like, man, I, I didn't sign up for this thing to write my own story. Like, I want God to write my story. And so it was just this moment where we all just agreed, like, regardless of what this means, let's, let's trust God to write our story. So that was October. We agreed. We talked to the Lutheran Church. They said thumbs up. Uh, and then we, uh, a couple months go by, and we got an email from the Lutheran Church and said, hey, actually change of plans. Um, we're going to ask you guys to leave in six months. We just feel like it'd be best to maybe just make a clean break. And so we're going to ask you to not move to the afternoon, to stay in the morning. And then by summer of 2019, we're going to ask you to transition. And so again, like, and God said he's going to write, write the story. I don't know what this looks like. And that doesn't mean that good things are going to come. Doors could be closed and he might write our story. But nonetheless, I'm trusting that God has good things in store for us. And so we decided that was right before Christmas break. It was right about this time. And so we just said, hey, we're going to breathe through the break and enter January and try to figure this thing out. So we did. We entered January. We did a video uh, at East Cobb Park. And I just had this distinct moment when we were shooting the video like, hey, Soldier Community, we know we told you we're going to be moving to the afternoon, and we're not, and we don't know what we're going to do, and we have no clue where we're going, and we know really nothing. And that's like not just pastor talk for like, hey, we don't know what we're doing, but we have this like crazy good plan going on. Like we literally had no idea what was going to happen. And I just remember earmarking in my mind, I, I, there's nothing on the table, and I trust that God's going to write our story. That was January of 2019. Well, January of 2019, there was this pastor named Glenn who is a pastor of a small church called Paper Mill Road Baptist Church. And he felt through prayer at the beginning of January that God uh, was calling him to transition out of that role. And so he put in his four weeks notice and gave it to some of you in this room. And uh, he was the pastor of this church. And at the end of at the beginning of February, he transitioned out. And it just so happened that that Monday after his last Sunday, we happened to be having some barbecue, him and I, uh, on, at Williamson Brothers on Roswell Road. 
And we sat there and we talked and the hairs on the back of my neck were just like up, you know, like what is God doing? And we came back here, there were pews at the time, sat right here with him and began to think like, could, could there be, we began to pray about a potential merge. Could, could a merge potentially be happening with Paper and Well Road Baptist Church? And, and all these things began, began to transpire. And in June, we ended up merging with this beautiful community at Paper and Well Road Baptist Church. And the two became one. And, and we've been existing ever since. And we navigated through trying to figure out how to raise money to uh, uh, update downstairs. And, and then going through COVID. And this whole time, it's just three little word. He's writing our story. Just trusting him through the confusion, trusting him through COVID, trusting him through all the questions. I mean, that has carried me through these last three years, that God's writing our story. And these little moments sometimes where it's not much, this little phrase has carried my heart through the confusion and the waiting along the way. I remember talking to one of you from Paper Mill Road, that phrase that some of you felt was that God wasn't finished with us. It's just a little impression that you felt on your heart. And it carried many of you through that difficult season. You know, I look back and see his hand over and over. But in the moment, I didn't feel any of that, right? And hindsight is easy. You know, it's that Monday morning quarterback. It's that hindsight that's much easier to have that conversation. But in the thick of it, waiting is hard. We look back and we can trust that God's faithful. I mean, over this last year, as the second point, as kind of the example I just felt at the beginning of this year that I just needed to marinate in Psalm 23. And so throughout this year, those few verses I've gone back to over and over and over again. I can't tell you how many times I've needed to remember that God is with me, that God is my shepherd, that God has my best interest in mind even if I don't feel it, that he's good. Psalm 23 has reminded me to trust him and his goodness even if my expectations aren't lining up. See, the Holy Spirit is close enough to be sensed. The Holy Spirit is close enough to hear. And again, that hearing was within community, not alone, but within community. And then third, the Holy Spirit is close enough to follow. In Galatians 5, Paul tells us, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So he's in us and upon us, if you've trusted in Jesus. He's also speaking to us in community and through the word, but we can resist him. Though he can be in us, though he can be speaking to us in community through the scripture, we can also resist him. In moments of fear or discomfort or frustration, and our waiting, survival mode kind of can kick in. When long enough time goes on and our waiting and the frustration can set in, we get into kind of fight or flight and kind of take things on by ourselves. And the flesh, the world, the devil would love to help us in resisting the spirit. We can settle and allow voices to enslave us from following and trusting in the spirits. And man, the, the journey for us as we follow the spirit is learning to trust him with our lives. Not just being Sunday Christianity or Sunday Christians where we kind of show up and do the Sunday thing, but Monday through Saturday we do our, old, our own thing. Sunday Christianity is dying. But man, actively following Jesus. What is the invitation for us? Is learning how to keep in step with him. To live 
for him, to allow his love to flow through us, to give because we trust that he has our lives, to serve, to care, to lean into him. And this whole thing is built upon trusting in him as we follow him. When it's hard, we choose to be honest. We choose to say, I'm afraid. We choose to say, I don't trust him. We choose to say, I don't sense him. And we gather people around us to pray for us. That's what it looks like to follow him, not in isolation and silos, but together. The Holy Spirit is close enough to be sensed, to be heard, and to follow. So as we see in the life of Simeon that he chose to wait and his whole life was centered around that. And so there's two types of waiting I want to close with that we experience. The first is long-term waiting. It's the the long-term waiting. It's the looking for that celestial city waiting. It's that remembering that the best is still to come and this life is muted because of sin and shame and death. That's the kind of waiting I'm talking about here. And as we navigate through this life and this long-term waiting, we remember Satan. We remember sin. We remember death are all still active. And we also remember that their days are numbered. And we look forward and we know that there's going to be a day when all of that's going to be in the rearview mirror. And so we have a long-term waiting and we know what's still to come. And we trust in what is still to come. See, Satan would love for us to forget this future day. He would love for us to forget this long-term waiting and trusting that Jesus will come and make all things new. See, we right now are seated in the middle of this epic story that God is unfolding It's hard to comprehend, but in his resurrection, he's produced the first fruits and he will finish what he started and he will bring the dead to life and he will swallow death and he will kill sin and he will slay the dragon. Those things are to come and we are waiting for that day. This is what Advent is all about. We look back, we remember that God made promises and he fulfilled them in the coming of Jesus. And we also have this future day that we look forward to that has not yet been fulfilled, where Jesus will come on the clouds, where he will slay the dragon, where sin and sorrow will be be behind us, where death will be swallowed, and where we will feast with our Savior. We will sit with him. He will wash our feet, and he will invite us into the feast. All of that's still to come, which means that we are presently part of this story, and we're looking forward to that day. We are waiting. Jesus' people are a forward-looking people. So there's a long-term waiting that I'm talking about, but there's also a short-term here and now waiting that I'm talking about. And again, like I said, waiting stretches and grows us. So much of our call is to learn to navigate through this life of waiting. But friends, God is at work in waiting. He's at work in the waiting that you feel, the rub that you feel, the struggle that you feel, the pain that you feel. He is at work in the midst of it. You know, we have a hard time comprehending this. We have this like chronological view of life. There's kind of a point A and there's a point B. And our job is to get to that finish line. And it's kind of all this one like upward movement. And the goal is just to get to that finish line. If I can just accomplish that thing, if I can just have the kids, if I can just have the career, if I can just have my 401k set, if I can just have the home, if I can just have the whatever thing that's before you, we kind of have those things as markers in our lives. But that's not the way God sees it. It's not about the finish line for him. It's about the process for him. Like, he doesn't care about the finish line. 
He cares about the active work in the process, that that's the thing that refines us. That's the thing that grows us. And we can buck against that to get to the future day, but the future day isn't the point for him. The, the, the point for him is the present day of you being formed and shaped into the image of Jesus. So he is at work in us in our waiting, and it is through our waiting that we are formed into the image of Jesus, truly. See, waiting can be the fire that forms us into a people that look like Jesus. That's the waiting that we look at near term. See, half our battle is the trust that God is good and the trust that God is at work in the waiting. Again, we live in a a weightless society, but he's at work. In the delay, we can uh, wrongly interpret our waiting. We can think that we are unnoticed. We can think that God has forgotten us, but he hasn't. Even if we don't sense him, he is at work in us. Again, our goal is to trust him and to not lose heart. And when we do feel like we're losing heart, we lean upon people and we say, pray for me. Help me. Hold me accountable. I need your help. We lean into one another to help us through this. And Advent and Simeon is a reminder of our waiting and a reminder that God can be trusted amidst the difficulty. You know, as I process this this, um, and consider this morning as we close, I know that many of us are in times of confusion, frustration, feeling confronted by certain things in your life, maybe expectations feeling like they're dashed. And if you find yourself there, where just that rub, the pain and difficulty of life, just struggling to not lose heart, to press on, to feeling the weariness of waiting, I mean, if you need to be prayed for, I want to just ask you to do a simple act. This is no judgment zone. We're a hospital. Probably all of us should stand in just a minute. But for the purpose of this morning, I want to invite you. If you just, man, I just need prayer. I just want to invite you to stand and I want to pray for you. If you feel just the difficulty, the struggle of this season for yourself, I'd love to just pray for you. So I'm going to just give it a second and I'm going to pray for you. I'd love to pray that the Spirit would refresh you and encourage you to not grow weary in the midst of the waiting. Let's pray together. Father, we confess that we think you're much more of a taskmaster than we really want to admit. Forget how kind you are, how you enter into our struggle, our mess, and you meet us, God. So in this moment, I just ask for my friends that are standing, I ask that you would infuse grace and strength and hope to their sails. Lord, I pray that they would know that you're with them. Even if they don't feel it, Lord, draw near, provide strength and comfort. We thank you that you're at work. Lord, help us in our unbelief. Lord, move in my brothers and sisters this morning. Grant them everything they need in this moment. Help them to know that they're not alone and that you're with them. In Jesus' name, amen.
So in the aisles are baskets, and baskets, there are elements. For all who follow Jesus, this is for you this morning. And these elements, there is no clearer declaration, no clearer declaration of God's faithfulness to you than what these point to. There's nothing more clear regarding God's faithfulness, regarding God's goodness, regarding God's kindness, regarding God's love and presence. There's nothing more clear than the fact that he entered into our world, broke his body, shed his blood, took on your shame, took on your sin, took on your guilt, and gave you his righteousness, gave you his love, gave you his care. There's nothing more clear in the universe knowing that God cares for you, than these two little elements that point to the fact that God died and arose and sent his spirit and will come again for you. So friends, the body of Jesus was broken for you. The blood of Jesus shed for you. Don't take it with your tail between your legs. Take it with joy in the fact that he has forgiven you, he loves you, he has you, and you're secure in him. You might not feel it, but it's true. The body of Jesus was broken for you. The blood of Jesus was shed for you. Let's partake together.